Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. I've been covering Stanford Athletics both from up close and from afar since 1993. That's almost 27 years. And I can't remember a day as dark as this on the farm for Stanford Athletics. We'll sort through it and we'll react to it as that's what we do. We talk Stanford Athletics and we do it better than anybody else. And we're certainly glad that you are with us here on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity presented by the Believe Podcast Network. It is Wednesday, July 8th, 2020. Tough day, tough day. And uh, you and I will discuss it. No special guests for this one. You will hear from Stanford Athletic Director Bernard Muir and uh, hear his thoughts on today's news, on Wednesday's news, and uh, my reaction to that. So it's just going to be me and you, and Bernard, to some extent, for this edition of the TreeCast. Certainly glad to have you with us. If you're new to the show, thank you for being here. Wish we were talking about more celebratory things. And I'm holding out hope that we start talking about more celebratory things as far as everyone getting back on the field safely and responsibly. When the fall rolls around, we will see about that. But when the fall does indeed roll around, it will mark the final academic year of competition for 11 Stanford Varsity Sports. That was announced on Wednesday morning, and we will get deeper into that in just a moment or so. But first, a couple of quick ground rules for you here. Hi, I'm Troy Clarity. Great to have you with us. Follow me on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. Last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. At Troy Clarity is the way to go. You've got thoughts on Stanford Athletics. Hit me with them via the hashtag TreeCast. That's the best way to ensure that uh, I see your thoughts on Stanford Athletics or anything Stanford-related or show-related, too, as I certainly appreciate the interaction that we've had uh, since, look, this is our fourth year, our fourth year of doing the show overall, but we just joined the Believe Podcast Network uh, back in late February. Glad to have them as a platform. Uh, almost 300 shows on the Believe Podcast Network, by the way, and uh, you can check them out at BLEAV.com. You want to advertise on the show, I'm sure that everyone would love to have that conversation. Uh, head to BLEAV.com and hit, uh, hit up the advertising page uh, on that website. So... Uh, great to have Believe behind us, and great to have you, most importantly, behind us as well. Stanford is cutting 11 sports after this upcoming academic year. The teams that will not be part of Stanford's varsity sports offerings after the 2020-2021 academic year are men's and women's fencing, field hockey, lightweight rowing, men's rowing, co-ed and women's sailing, squash, synchronized swimming, men's volleyball, and wrestling. Those are the 11 uh, Stanford programs that will not be offered on a varsity level after this upcoming academic year. Also, 20 support staffers are being let go as uh, they are being laid off as the athletics department reorganizes. And of course, this is mostly in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic that we're all still trying to grapple with. As the athletic department 
will eventually save up to $8 million per year by making these moves. Now, I want you to hear the key statement. Athletic Director Bernard Muir uh, had a Zoom conference with the media on Wednesday afternoon. That's about a little more than 20 minutes or so as he explained some things, and we'll, we'll get deeper into some of his reactions and thoughts on this as we go throughout the show. But I want to play for you what I thought was the key statement in the whole thing, the whole 20-plus minutes of Bernard Muir talking to the media and explaining uh, the rationale behind Wednesday's announcement. It all boiled down to this brief key statement to me right here. You got to keep in mind, we're talking about 36 sports here. The NCAA average, as we said in the in the notes, is 18. And so we've been punching above our weight for quite some time. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, it's just that simple. That's uh, Stanford Athletic Director Bernard Muir saying, look, we were punching above our weight by having 36 varsity sports. No one else has that many, except for one school, Ohio State. And people are going to want to make those comparisons, and we'll definitely get into that a bit later on in the show. But, but to me... That's the gist of it. That's the entire gist of it. Stanford had 36 varsity sports, and that adds up with expenses, especially when you consider a, a, a program and, and a sport like field hockey, in which with this announcement that now there are going to be only two field hockey programs on the varsity level on the West Coast, Cal and UC Davis, as we speak right now. That means that there's a lot of travel. That, and, and field hockey is a pretty roster-intensive sport. There, there's a lot of folks that you have to carry on a roster for field hockey. And you have to travel back east pretty much every single time, especially with Stanford and Cal and UC Davis. The Pac-12 did not sponsor uh, field hockey because they didn't have the, the six requisite schools that you need in order for a conference to sponsor a varsity sport. So that meant that Stanford and Cal and UC Davis played last year in the America East Conference. So that meant that after Stanford won the America East West Division, they had to get on the plane and play in the America East Championships at Monmouth. That's in New Jersey. That on top of a couple of major road trips that that program had to, had to undergo just to be able to field a full schedule. Flying back east, playing against UMass Lowell and, and, and schools like that. So that's, that's certainly, I'd imagine, part of the consideration here when you look at just the expenses that goes into it and just how much support you know, some, of these others have, some of these other programs have with other schools here in the region. I'm sure that was a consideration for field hockey, unfortunately. And I'm sure that was a consideration for, for the other programs that, that are being cut as well. But that's just the gist of it to me. Stanford punched a bit above its weight with offering 36 different varsity sports. Let's get more into Bernard Muir's thoughts on the day. As mentioned, he held a press conference on Wednesday afternoon via Zoom. And I'm going to begin by playing for you his entire opening statement on why things had to happen this way. Bernard Muir on Stanford Athletics dropping 11 varsity sports after the upcoming academic year. Uh, as you can imagine, uh, this has been a heartbreaking day for all of us, especially uh, those student athletes and coaches who are involved. 
Uh, we made this decision only after exhausting all viable alternatives. Uh, it recently became painfully clear that we would not uh, remain financially stable and support 36 varsity sports at a nationally competitive level, which is what we so desire. Uh, the primary alternative to this decision would have been a broad and deep reduction in support for all 36 sports. And so including eliminating scholarships, ceasing to be competitive in, in our efforts to attract and retain the very best coaches and staff. Uh, so that became increasingly uh, difficult for us in this situation. Uh, the president, the provost and I agreed strongly as did the board of trustees that operating our programs in that manner would be antithetical to Stanford's values and its determination to be excellent in everything that it does. Uh, so instead, we're, we're choosing to continue to pursue excellence in, in as many sports as we can, in which we've determined to be uh, 25. Uh, we are committed to ensuring that these 25 sports, um, uh, you know, have the chance to, to be competitive on a national level. And that's what we are aiming to do and ensuring that the varsity student athlete experience at Stanford uh, remains unrivaled. Uh, we will, of course, support the affected student athletes and coaches and staff as they process this news uh, that they heard this morning and begin planning for a very different future. And we will fully support the 11 sports throughout this school year as they hopefully will have the opportunity to compete one final time. Uh, Stanford can and will continue to have the best athletics department in the country. That's our aim. Uh, but this is certainly going to be an extremely painful chapter in our history. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. Uh, it's an incredibly dark day. I mean, I, I I haven't felt like this since March 12th, which was when the entire spring season for college sports um, was canceled and, and and went went up in smoke. And so did my so did my spring season with the Pac-12 Network as well. Uh, no doubt, super tough for 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 all involved, even even the folks who do still have gigs after this. So it's extremely, extremely difficult for everyone in the Stanford Athletic Department to be going through right now. Now, a lot of questions surrounding these moves. And the one that immediately comes to mind, and the one that I've seen the most, is that, hey, Stanford's one of the richest schools on the planet. Their endowment is almost $28 billion. How can Stanford be making these moves when their university endowment is that large? Bernard Meir explains. You got to keep in mind, yes, uh, Stanford has a significant endowment, but we, we also have to keep in mind that most of those, those dollars are restricted. Uh, most of that, that resource is going to, to support financial aid for the student body. It's supporting faculty research. Uh, we have a robust endowment for, uh, that covers scholarships primarily. Uh, but certainly across 36 sports and all the expenses necessary, as I said earlier, uh, just we weren't we didn't have enough dollars generating from our uh, smaller uh, endowment for the University for Athletics uh, to cover all the expenses necessary. But the, I think the numbers that you see across the headline, uh, the, the staggering numbers uh, for the university, that's going to those are restricted in nature. And so we don't receive the dollars from that. That's Bernard Muir. And I saw on Twitter earlier on Wednesday, someone explained college endowments is like big, shiny paintings. You know, everyone likes to ooh and ah at them and look at them, but you can't touch them. You can't touch them. And that's certainly the case for the uh, Stanford Athletics Department. So that apparently is off limits to Stanford Athletics, which also has its own endowment. 
So contrast that with what Bernard Muir told me back in December. You might remember he and I sat down, had a nice half-hour chat back in early December for the TreeCast. Here's what Bernard Muir told me that day in early December about, and the question to him was, what's the biggest misconception that you think people have about what you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Here's what Bernard Muir said to us. It is a terrific opportunity to, to lead and, and, and uh, continue to maintain a program that has high standards uh, and one uh, that is aspiring for excellence in every way we, we do it. Um, at the same token, I think sometimes people think it's an easy opportunity to do all those things uh, and that, especially from a financial standpoint, that we have all the resources we possibly could need. And uh, we, we're, we, are, we, we are fortunate. We have a robust endowment that has been built up over the years thanks to and, and great part to the support from many within the Stanford community. Uh, we still need to continue to grow that because our goal is for every one of our 36 sports to have our student athletes wake up and think, you know what, they can be in the hunt for the opportunity to, to win uh, championships and obviously have a great experience um, both on and off the playing surface. And so uh, I think sometimes people think, boy, they don't need anything else in, in that particular area, and, and that's not true. That was back in December, and to put it lightly, a lot of things have changed. And when I think Bernard says that, we have a robust endowment. I, I think that he means the athletic endowment because that's the endowment that, that obviously he has access to. And maybe it was robust back in December. Maybe not so much after March. Maybe not quite so much after March. A few things have changed on the financial scene over the past coming up on four months now. Now, you could argue that if Stanford really wanted to, if they really, really wanted to, they would slide the athletic department some money to make sure that this does not happen. But as we all know, Stanford does not operate like most Power 5 schools. Stanford operates with a different set of parameters for a lot of different reasons. That's just not, not how they roll. Not how it's done. Not how it's done. So for those of you who are out there saying, well, how come Stanford doesn't dive into its endowment? Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> it's off limits to Stanford Athletics. It's not meant to, to address shortfalls for, 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 for departments across the university. It's just, just not what it's meant for. Now, we are living in a time where we are all grappling with the COVID-19 pandemic. And that is, of course, the thing that looms over these cuts. But is this solely because of COVID-19? Is this all happening just because of the perceived and, and probable likely ramifications in the future from this pandemic and the, and the financial hit that a lot of athletic departments are going to be taking in the year or two or perhaps more ahead? Here's what Bernard Muir had to say about that. I don't want to pin this all on COVID. That's, that's not the case. That would be erroneous for, our, for me to uh, uh, provide that it, this is just COVID-related. We, we had a $12 million deficit roughly going in. Uh, when we realized, you know, coming out uh, of COVID, we, we knew that we we're going to take a hit uh, financially on, from a 
uh, a ticket level, you know, depending on if we have uh, football, especially, and, and uh, you know, how many people can be in the stands for that. We know we're going to take a hit sponsorship wise. We know we're going to take a hit um, from our development numbers. Uh, so all of that contributed to a doubling that roughly uh, to 25 million uh, and some uh, uh, to 25 million as our projections uh, coming out of COVID. And then the other unknown and uh, that we, you know, we continue to, to try to, to get our arms around is whether we will have indeed football. Uh, and if we don't, you know, you could just go ahead and double that figure again, uh, and, which was a great concern for us. So, uh, but I, I, to blame this all on COVID would, would be erroneous and would not be accurate, but it certainly helped contribute to uh, the growing deficit. Uh, moving forward. So even before COVID-19, Stanford was coming into this with a $12 million deficit, even coming into this. So that goes back to my initial read on this and the key statement that Bernard Muir, that I played for you almost at the top of the show. This is about Stanford having 36 sports and needing to cut. Are they using COVID-19 as a cover for this? I hope not. I hope not. I certainly hope not. But it seems, based on what Muir told us, what you heard in that statement, and what you've seen in the, in the written portion of this, the open letters that, that have been sent out uh, to the university community from the university president, the provost, and Bernard Muir as well, it's about having 36 sports. That's what this is about. Now, 11 head coaches and support staffs are affected by this, and also about 240 student-athletes are directly affected by these moves as well. What next for them? What happens to the coaches? What happens to the student-athletes? Bernard Meir offered up his thoughts. We're going to honor the scholarships. If you're a freshman, you're on aid, and we have a commitment for the next four years. We're going to honor that. Uh, and we want you to graduate from Stanford for coaches. Uh, we're going to honor their contracts. Uh, and, and even because of this unique year, we're, we're going to have uh, some bonuses that we put in place so that they hopefully will stay uh, for this year. Uh, for recruits that have been already accepted and admitted to Stanford if they're coming in uh, this year, we're, we're going to continue to honor those financial commitments. Um, but we also know that some might choose to, to go elsewhere and, and want to continue to play their sport uh, at the Division One level, and so we will help assist in that regard with uh, with our compliance staff and make sure that they have the opportunity to transfer. So um, at every step of the way, we're, we're we're trying to assist here. We know this is unusual and difficult, but we want them to have the opportunity to compete this year. And then, uh, if they so choose to stay at Stanford, we want to help in that regard. Or if they decide to go elsewhere, uh, we want to assist as well a couple things stand out to me about that response uh number one yes it's great fantastic stanford athletics and the university will honor the scholarships that have already been handed out um, to the uh, student athletes whose sports are about to be cut that's terrific and that's as it should be now keep this in mind none of the sports affected Men's and women's fencing, field hockey, lightweight rowing, men's rowing, co-ed and women's sailing, squash, synchronized swimming, men's volleyball and wrestling. None of those sports are headcount sports when it comes to counting scholarships and how much, uh, how many scholarships uh, broke programs are allowed by NCAA rule. They're equivalency sports, and that means that scholarships can be split up 
any way and any proportion as long as you don't exceed the maximum. So softball, you are allowed a maximum of 12 scholarships in softball. But as an equivalency sport, that means if you have 24 players on your roster, as you generally do, or about that much on a softball roster in the NCAA Division I level, that means if you have 24 players, that means that all of them can get half scholarships or however you want to split it up, however you want to slice the pie, but as long as you slice it up so that you're not giving away more than 12 scholarships total, then you're okay. You're okay. So while it's 240 student athletes who are affected, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's 240 full ride scholarships that Stanford is honoring here. Based on the scholarship limits that the NCAA places on the sports that it officially recognizes, and don't forget, uh, not all of the 11 sports that are affected here are recognized by the NCAA. But based on those scholarship limits, in men's fencing, you can only have four and a half. Uh, women's, fe women's fencing can only give out five scholarships. Field hockey, you're good for 12. Men's volleyball, only four and a half scholarships for the entire team. That surprised me a bit. I'm not going to lie. And wrestling, they get to deal out 9.9 .9 scholarships and divvy that up amongst all the members of the wrestling team. So based on that and based on my math, which isn't as good as it used to be, you're looking at about the equivalent of 35.4 full-ride scholarships that Stanford will still be honoring. And that's still a pretty sizable chunk of change. I mean, Stanford was expensive as hell when I went there, and that was 25 years ago. I'm frightened to think about what it exactly costs now, these days, for a full-ride scholarship to Stanford. Some of you know those numbers, and, and they're not pretty. They're not pretty. So... Just keep that in mind when, when, you, when you look at that and, and consider that, that part of the puzzle. Now, the other thing that stood out to me about, that, about Bernard's answer there was the fact that he may even throw some bonuses at the coaches of these programs for staying around and, and, and sticking around and writing it out their final year that their programs are going to exist. And I kind of raised an eyebrow at that for a second, but, but I, I think on a lot of different levels, it makes a bit more sense giving those coaches retention bonuses uh, in effect. It makes a bit more sense because it's certainly going to cost the athletic department more to hire someone at this point, hire someone else. And, and even if you could, who are you going to get? Who are you going to get? Hey, yeah, we want you to come down and, uh, and, and just run the program for just one year. And then after that, uh, we're, we're going to drop the curtain on it. You want to come in? No, no. That's going to be a tough, if not impossible, sell. So that raised my eyebrow a little bit when I first heard it, but then I thought about it a little bit more and it started to, started to make a bit more sense. As we mentioned earlier in the show, Stanford with 36 varsity sports, Ohio State also with 36. And some folks are making the comparison right now. By the way, no one else, I believe, in, in the Power Five offers anywhere in the 30s as far as the uh, number of uh, varsity sports offered uh, by universities in their athletic departments. So everyone else, or at least most folks, are in the 20s. You know, the average is closer to 17 or 18 or so. So some folks are going to want to try to compare Stanford and Ohio State just on that level. 
Bernard Muir says that might not be a comparison that that potentially is apropos here. He explains why. The next school that looks kind of like us in terms of sport offerings uh, is is uh, Ohio State. And certainly their budget is, is most likely double than what we have. Uh, and they, they're generating TV revenues. Their, their stadium is larger. Uh, it, it's a different uh, sponsorship is how they approach sponsorship is different than how we 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 approach it, and, and so it, it, you're not comparing apples to apples, and so that would be a difficult comparison. Yeah, he, he's right. Look, Ohio State has a hundred nine point four million dollar budget, and Stanford, as you heard Bernard say, there has approximately half of that. So it's it's tough to compare just from a straight budget standpoint. Um, Stanford and Ohio State, just beyond the fact that they have, you know, 36 schools or 36 varsity sports uh, on the table for them, at least for this academic year anyway. And in an indirect way, Mir perhaps admitting that the revenue shortfalls from its conference that Ohio State might not be experiencing from theirs. Now, that being said as well, Ohio State's just a whole different ball of wax, not just with the budget, the $109 million, which is the tops in the country, as far as the athletic department budgets are concerned. But obviously, you know, they've got 100 and what, almost 110,000 people at Ohio Stadium every single week. Sponsorship deals, re- broadcast revenue. All those things that Ohio State can generate themselves as a school just leave Stanford in the dust for the most part. I mean, Stanford isn't—they're not even in the same race when it comes to when it comes to things like that. I'd love to talk to Amy Bacher, who was the longtime head coach of Stanford women's lacrosse. Uh, she left Stanford and went to Ohio State just just a year ago. I'd, I'd love to get her thoughts on on just how different things are between Stanford and Ohio State. Look, is Stanford a great place to be? Yes. Do you have resources? Yes. Are there a lot of things that, that, that can be done there? Yes. But compared to all of the self-generated things that Ohio State can do, it's not even close. It's not even close. Not everyone's in Ohio State's boat. Not everyone's in Stanford's boat either. And I've seen the question asked Already this afternoon on Twitter and other spots, people are blowing up my phone and asking me about it. Look, if, if Stanford's cutting programs, if Stanford, as prestigious an athletic department as, as it is, if they're cutting sports, what chance do the other schools have? What chance do they have, especially in the Power Five, of being able to keep their athletic departments intact? Bernard Muir? Shared his thoughts on that. I can imagine if there's not football, the pressure is going to to mount. I'm not sure if every school's in a position to take such action. You know, again, we were running 36 sports, which is really unusual uh, uh, in this climate and 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 looking across the the NCAA landscape uh, for Division One institutions. That that was a high number. So, uh, you know, other institutions might make a different decision, but they're dealing with less programs. That's Bernard Muir, and yeah, I I think. I think other schools will be cutting programs. I, I, I don't think, and I hate saying this for obvious reasons, but I, I don't think that there's much question about that. It's part of the evaluation process that everyone is doing in athletic departments from coast to coast. 
But I don't think that necessarily, certainly on the Power 5 level, that programs will be cut to the extent that Stanford is cutting programs. Simply from a quantity standpoint, right? I mean, even without the 11 programs that Stanford is letting, letting go, the Cardinals still will be carrying 25 varsity sports, and that will still be significantly above the average number of varsity sports offered by athletic departments on the Division I and Power Five level. Stanford still is 25. So, yes, you're, you're, I mean, you've already seen it on the smaller level, in the group of five, and in other, on other levels as well. You've seen baseball programs get cut, Furman cutting its men's lacrosse program. You, you, you've already, Boise State making a couple of cuts. You, you've already seen other schools make adjustments and, and cut programs. And I think you'll continue to see these types of announcements come forth from, from Power 5 schools going forward. As many as Stanford's? No, no. Because a lot of schools don't, <laughs> they barely have 11 varsity sports to, to put on the chopping block. Oh, by the way, um, there's still a fall sports season that, that, that's trying to get going. Um, I asked Bernard Muir what the confidence level that he has that things are off and on the right track as far as making sure that fall sports will start on time. Bernard's response? Well, Troy, I think we still, uh, we, we continue to meet, especially at the conference level with my peers in the conference each week to talk about the landscape, to talk about the situations we find our, our various schools in. Uh, I think we're, we would like to have more discussion, uh, some more time here, but, you know, I, I would expect by the end of this month, we're, we'll have to make some decisions on fall and, uh, and, and see where we are. Uh, but uh, it, it's requiring a lot more discussion. It's, it's, it's getting input from our medical experts on our various campuses uh, and, and obviously talking to our CEOs and, and uh, conference staff uh, to ultimately figure out what, what direction we head in. Translation there is stay tuned. And, um, you know, later in the month, we should know. At least that's his read of the situation. Look, everything we say these days is fluid, right? I mean, there, there could be something that happens, you know, one way or the other that, that, that changes everything. Maybe between the time that I say that I'm saying this, midway through Wednesday afternoon, by the time you hear this. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, what, what his confidence level is, I'm not sure, but I'm sure that is largely dictated by the information that he is getting and that the, that, uh, which decisions will be made by the end of the month on the conference level. So that's where it stands right now. As Stanford firing perhaps the biggest shot yet in college sports in the post-COVID-19 world. But that being said, and I'll reiterate this again, I think this says less about the college landscape and COVID-19's effect on the college landscape than it does about Stanford punching above its own weight. I, I don't necessarily think, as we just mentioned, as we just talked about, that you're going to see these level of cuts happening on the Power 5 level. I certainly hope not anyway. And I, and I feel terrible. I feel absolutely rotten. You know, particularly for field hockey. Tara Danielson, the head coach, getting to 
talked to her on a couple of occasions, do a few of their games on the Pac-12 network over the last couple of years. You know, men's volleyball, what a, what a, what a terrific program they've been over the years. And that's a fun sport to watch, man. They're, they're terrific. And wrestling. Stanford wrestling. Boy, the, the wonderful things that, that they've been doing of late. And the terrific kids that are on that team, both on and off the mat. And I found it interesting coming across a tweet from Stanford wrestling head coach Jason Borelli and his reaction to Wednesday's news. And he tweets the following, quote, Nothing like a little adversity and a good challenge. First, we will listen to understand why. Then we will strategize and prepare for the battle. Lastly, we will execute and make this right. Let's go, card wrestling fans. Who's with us? That's an end of quote from a tweet from Stanford Wrestling head coach Jason Borelli, who just learned that his program is going to be cut after this upcoming year. And it's rotten, as mentioned. But if you're going to take any attitude about it, if you're inside those programs, that's the one to take. That's the one to take. Understand why. Realize that the, that the die has been cast. These schools can come back on a club level. No word on which ones might explore those possibilities. But you figure it out. You go from there. And you try to end on the highest note possible. And I think that's the, that's the right attitude to take for those who are directly affected by Wednesday's news. Tough day. Tough day. But it's been a lot of tough days over the past few months for a lot of different reasons. And I don't think, I hope I'm wrong here, but I don't quite think we're out of the woods just yet. You've got thoughts? Let's talk about it. Hit me up on Twitter, hashtag TreeCast, hashtag TreeCast for your thoughts on, on the day, where things go from here, how confident you are that fall sports will go on as scheduled, and anything else you got. I'm here for you on Twitter, hashtag TreeCast, hashtag TreeCast. If you've missed previous editions of the show, I highly recommend that you check them out with some of our terrific interviews, specifically over this past couple of months since we've latched on with the Believe Podcast Network. Senator Cory Booker, David Shaw, Jared Hass, Brevin Knight, Mark Madsen, Kyle Peterson, the Stanford baseball great, Mark Madsen, the Stanford hoops great. And excited about what could potentially be to come in the weeks ahead as far as the TreeCast um, is concerned. So if you missed any of those chats, or if you want to hear them again, hey, I always welcome them. <laughs> Check out The Vault, no matter how you listen to the TreeCast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. I think Alexa can hook you up as well. But uh, hit The Vault and uh, check out some of our previous episodes. In the meantime, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks again, as always, for joining us on the show. As I always say, don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. But to that, and in this climate, I add this. If you don't wear a mask when you're out in public, you are the dumbest person on the planet. Wear a mask. Mask it or casket. It's pretty simple. We'll talk to you next time.
Be safe, be kind, be healthy, and we'll see you on the next episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.